Episode 32, First Citizen. Introducing Andrew Johnson on the BTS Creative Academy podcast, Uncut. With me, your host, Martin Carlton. So, uh, just at the beginning, uh, what I do with all my guests, um, if you'd like to join me, we do a little clap. Yeah. Um, and that syncs the video and the audio. Absolutely. So, uh, we'll go after three. One, two, three. Ooh, that was nice and in sync. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> Thank you, Martin. Thank you for, for joining me today. Thank you on, for inviting on this, me. This episode of the podcast. I must say, this is the, the, the first episode in a while that I've felt well. Really? Yes, I've been. I've had an awful cold for the past, I'd say, about four weeks. Yeah. And I was. You just not been able to shift it. Not been able to shift it at all. It's one week like of hell. Yeah. One It was. It was proper full on flu for one week, and then the following sort of three weeks, it was just that lingering I hate cough. That. Absolutely hate it. Runny nose, and I, I. If if you go back on the previous episodes. I am trying my best to hide it. <laughs> I am trying my best. You to sound just... pretty well now, and your voice is pretty clear. Yeah, so. and, and I and I only just noticed that I'm feeling better once we That's started good. because I was thinking back to hide the cold. <laughs> and you don't need to. And I don't need to. I don't, I don't think I. There do. is something about this time of year, isn't there? You know, first half term back. Mm-hmm. My wife's a teacher. I've got a student daughter, and uh, they're always bringing home coughs and colds and sniffles. And it's that you know September October time that really it really, really kills. It yeah. kicks in. As, it is as soon as they go back to school and they mingle, all the germs get spread. They, it's like all the kids have been out exploring, and some of them have been abroad. And yeah, they yep. come back and they they spread the germs like like anything. And so. It's getting colder out there. You know, the yeah. germs are spreading. So. Yeah, yeah. So, but I'm glad you're well. Thank you, Andrew. And you? How how are you? Yeah, I'm I'm really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I suffer with a, a low immune system um, mm-hmm. because I take drugs that lower my immune system because of a kidney transplant. Okay, and, I was just about uh, to say, can we clarify on the on the taking drugs? Yeah, before, yeah. Before so someone I, takes that soundbite, I out. take <laughs> immunosuppression drugs uh, to keep my immune system low mm-hmm. um, because it doesn't, the doctors don't want my kidney to be rejected. I've got my mum, one of my mum's kidneys in me, and. Right. Um, yeah, all healthy, all really good. So that, that's great. This time, mm. seven years ago, if you'd have been sitting here in this theatre interviewing me, I'd have been, you know, really bad, not awake. Yes. I, you, I probably, remember, you probably remember. I do remember that time. I think just before you was about to go through with the transplant, Yeah, you know, obviously a little bit concerned yeah. about the future at that point. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I, well, it's, it's a major life-changing event. But actually, I've woken up a lot. I'm a lot more healthier, uh, you know, a lot more active, a lot more able to do things, mm-hmm. whether it be in politics or it be in the theatre or any of the other things I do. So, yeah. yeah. So would you, do you ha- if there was anyone out there listening to this that was going through something like that would you have any sort of words of advice as they were going into it having had that and moved forward into a more positive life yeah well uh, for a kidney transplant you, you're unwell for, for years possibly before as you crash or in some people it's really quick um i think my transplant unit really prepared me for what could be and not all transplants go wrong not all transplants start working so you have to be prepared for your mindset of well what will i do if i end up on permanent dialysis and things like that or you know actually when your kidney kicks in you're going to feel a lot better than you've been doing so you know at that point it's make as much of your life as possible because I honestly don't know how long this kidney will last um Mm -hmm. you know I was down to like six seven percent functionality before the transplant I really probably should have been on dialysis but I crashed really quickly so my advice to everyone would always be you know live every day to the full because you, you really don't know what tomorrow will bring. And fortunately for me, my mum had a really good match of a kidney and it's worked really well. And, you know, I've had lots more years of fun and doing things with my wife and daughter and doing things here in this lovely theatre and just mm-hmm. enjoying myself. Yeah. Isn't, so, isn't, isn't that amazing that we're, that we're at a place in history where, it's a, where you incredible. can... Yeah, where you Take can an have organ the, yeah, take out an, of one person, mm-hmm. put it in another and give them a new lease of life. Yes. And um, yeah, it's absolutely amazing what we can do with modern medicine mm-hmm. at the moment. Yeah, and that's good advice that you've just given there for anyone, really, to, to live life to the full. Absolutely. I think Because yeah, you never know what tomorrow you, brings. You don't know what tomorrow brings, and it could be an accident, it could be family problems, it could, it could be anything. You don't know what tomorrow brings, so just enjoy every moment you can. Lovely. Well, moving on from the health stuff, for anyone watching, um, you're currently weighted down by a gold medallion. A bit of bling. A bit of bling. Yeah. So, so yeah. tell me about and this, I, this. I this. don't normally wear it with a, 
a fleece. Um, no. It's normally with a full suit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm currently the chair of Harlow Council, um, Harlow District Council. Um, so chair, for those who don't know, is a bit like a mayor, except we don't have the history of the Royal Incorporation. And um, uh, so basically, I'm the first citizen of my town, first citizen of Harlow. Um, the conscience of the council, that sounds really important when you say it like that. Um, but I chair the council meetings. I keep all of the other councillors in, or- in order, keep, the, keep to the standing orders, keep to the rules of debate, make sure everyone behaves themselves in the chamber. And then outside of the chamber, I get to do all the fun stuff, going to events, cutting ribbons, opening things. Um, and really, it's uh, normally a reward for long service. And normally, it's, it's very um, old councillors. It's retirees that get it, because most councillors are retirees anyway. Um, here I am, 47. I've done 26 years in local politics, and um, the chamber decided it was my time to be to be chair. So loved every minute of it. I'm actually doing it for the second year. Mm-hmm. Um, not many chairs get to do that. Um, if you do, it's normally with about 10, 12 years in between. Um, I've done two years on the bounce, and this is my second year. Again, in Harlow, no one's ever done that. So either they wanted to keep me shut up and away from the <laughs> political benches, keep wearing the chain, or, or actually I, I like to think I've done a good job. Uh, in my first year, I spent the year particularly promoting the arts, uh, because I thought that was an area um, that needed a light shined on in our town. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year I'm celebrating what I've called the gems of Harlow, the people, places and organisations that make our town an incredible place to live. Um, and this building we're in, one of them, and I know you came mm-hmm. to collect that that award, but lots of others. Um, earlier this week I hosted a, a reception for our blue light services, so police, fire, ambulance, and, in, and indeed Princess Alexandra Hospital's um, a&E department, mm-hmm. um, you know, recognising and just saying thank you to them for the work that they do in the community because, you know, people in those sort of jobs get a bit of a poor shtick in the in the press and um, actually it's a real vocation and deserves the community saying thanks. So wearing the chain and being, you know, the first citizen, you know, saying thanks on behalf of the whole town I think has been important to a, a number of organisations. Mm-hmm. How did you get get given this honour? How does that? How did that come about? Well, I mean, because like you say, you say most people get this when they're retirees. Yeah, well, I, I think normally the chair of a council or the, or the mayor of a borough um, is someone that's been a councillor for a long time, and yeah, I tick that box. I first got elected at twenty-one, and at the time you could only be elected at twenty-one. Now it's dropped to eighteen. The laws changed, but um, so twenty-six years I've been a going on twenty-seven. I've been a councillor. I've been leader of my group for a long time, 24, 24, 24 years. I'd been leader of the council three times. Um, so I've pretty much been around the block politically, as it were. And um, when I stepped down as as leader, um, frankly, because it just takes too much time if you're working and you've got a family and um, all the other things that I do, um, the, the chamber as a whole, my political party, but the other political party as well, um, wanted to, I suppose, give it to me as a bit of a reward to say thank you for your years of service and actually we think we might make an, an, an okay chair and I, th- I think I've made a very good job of it and it's been fun apart from anything. It's been because as a politician you get to see one side of things but as the chair, when you put this on, chain on, it's almost like a costume. The mindset changes. As you put it on you become non-political and you start to think in a more civic manner. Uh, you start to think apolitically almost and um, I get to see a lot of things from a lot of different dimensions that I, I've never seen before. I've got to meet a lot of different community groups that I never had the chance mm-hmm. to meet before and interact with them and um, yeah it's been lovely. So you're a conservative? I am, yes. So and you say that the chain makes you more apolitical? Yeah. Um, I've still got my view, my personal political views, but yeah. when I'm wearing the chain and when I'm acting as the chair, it's inappropriate for me, it would be inappropriate for me to, to espouse those. Mm-hmm. So if you want to ask me any political questions, I'll take the you chain take off the chain. and act as myself. Yes. Um, um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a Conservative councillor. Mm-hmm. Um, that's who I am politically. That's where I am. Um, so kind of wearing the medallion, you kind of I, I see you as a sort of like a, a champion of the communities within yes. within Harlow. You like yeah. to support and raise up the communities around the town, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I think Harlow has a bit of a bad rap at times. You mm-hmm. know, we do it ourselves. We knock it. Those of us that have born and grew up here, yes, yeah. we, we knock it a bit. But actually, it's a great town. 
Um, you know, someone said to me the other day, there's nothing for our young people to do. And actually, by the time I finished listing all of the dance schools and the drama schools and the rock school and, you know, and I went through a whole long list of things. And mm. then there's, you know, the, the, the cafe up, the geek retreat up the town and there's various other places all over the place. And um, there's tons for our, our young people to do. And there's tons in Harlow for people of any age to do. And I think, you know, when you are the chair of a council, when you are you know, the conscience of the, the chamber. It's important to celebrate those things. Like I said earlier, it's important to say thank you to people, but it's important to shine a light on, you know, the buildings that we've got that are incredible, be it the museum or the playhouse or mm-hmm. this theatre. Uh, you know, the people, the organisations, the charities, our blue light services, our scouts, our cadets. You know, the, the, there's a whole wealth of stuff going on. And, and, and there is in every town if you look hard enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, like you say, it just takes someone to shine a bit of a light on it. So, you know, the last 18 months, that's what I've been doing. I've been trying to get as much press for people as possible. And funny enough, when you wear a big gold piece of bling like this, um, the press are keen to turn up. Mm-hmm. It's a story. It, it elevates something from just, oh, we've opened this place on a wet Wednesday afternoon to the chair turned up and cut a ribbon or whatever. And... Um, just the very act of me turning up and finding out about something makes it that more interesting for the media mm-hmm. and may make it catch the eye of someone else because it just, when you're looking at a photo, oh, that's, what's that? Let's have a look at that. And so, um, yeah, I, I've spent the time and I will spend the remaining time in chair this year um, just highlighting where I think there's really good causes and supporting the town. But that's something I've I've always done. I mean, I was born here, uh, my my grandparents and great grandparents moved out just after the war when the new town was really really young, and so I really am like stick of the rock, break me break me in the middle of I've got Harlow written through me, mm. and um, I so really that, love it. So yeah, so I was well. My next question was going to be: so how does that feel after you've had this lifetime connection to Harlow, mm. and now being now being the chair the the, the the phrase the, the phrase that you used of um, the citizen of Harlow yeah first citizen first citizen um, of Harlow how does that how does that feel it's actually it was a really proud moment when they first put the chain on me I, mm. I, I suppose like anything the more you do it the more you just become used to it um, mm. but I try and you know every time I slip this chain around my neck to do an interview or to you know to go somewhere or open something or indeed when I go outside of the town you know to places in Hertfordshire or other places in Essex to represent our town. Um, you know, I try and keep that special nature of it. And remember, I'm I'm not just me and I'm not just representing the councillors. I'm representing what, 85,000 people. Um, their political views may not all be aligned. They may not even care about politics. But, you know, I'm representing them and I'm representing the name of our town. So mm-hmm. you know, that's 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 pretty special. Yeah, yeah it's pretty special. Um, and, you know, but I, I think I'm the kind of person that would think it's special. That's probably why I'm wearing it. Mm-hmm. And I guess your family was proud of you. Yeah, very yeah, much. Okay. So, well, I've, seen, I've seen that. I've seen your your, your wife and your daughter yeah. there at events with you. Yeah. Very proud. So I'm not. I'm not actually asking. I'm telling you. I can see that they are. No, I know they are. And you know, my wife was a councillor for a while. She gave it a go and uh, represented residents in Hester Street and Little Pandon and then Great Pandon. And uh, you know, my dad and my brother have both been involved in politics as well. And I got both of them involved. And my father-in-law, I got him involved. So. Yeah, we're the sort of family, um, both from my wife's side and from mine, that just get involved. We do things. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're, we're people that can't sit still. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, which is how we end up. I get, get involved on a board of governors of a school. It's how I've ended up on the board of uh, the trustees of this theatre. Mm-hmm. It's, it's how I end up involved with shows. It's how I end up involved with lots of other things in life. I just, I, I can't sit still. I want to be involved. Why do you think that is? I think that's just some people are born like that um i can't sit still i have Mm -hmm. to be doing something i have to be busy um and you know that old saying if you want something doing ask a busy person um it it, it's true um i want to get things done um don't get me wrong there's something nice about laying in bed on a saturday morning and not getting up with anywhere to go or Mm -hmm. pitching out on the couch on the couch on a friday night watching a film and not getting something done but invariably at home i've got a list of things jobs i want to do around the house or Mm -hmm. things i need to do for the different organizations i'm involved with so I, i try and keep myself busy partly as well for me we talked about the transplant at the start mm-hmm. there was a couple of years towards the end before i had the transplant where i couldn't do much 
you know, people with the blood work that I had were barely getting out of bed and I was still getting out of bed and going to work and doing some other bits. But there was lots falling by the wayside. My house, there were lots of jobs that I should have done that I didn't do and it needed a real overhaul. And, you know, there were lots of community groups that I wanted to be involved with and just didn't have the time. And, and I sort of swore to myself once I got re-energised, mm-hmm. I'm going to make, like I said earlier, make every every day worth living and, you know... Actually, I feel a great deal more satisfaction at the end of the day having get got ten or twelve things done than not having. So yeah, so, so it comes down to the satisfaction. I think there's a degree of personal mm-hmm. satisfaction there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and so. and maybe all the things I see you do, they're all community based. And maybe it's something around being being around groups of people, mm-hmm. finding people with similar interests as yourself. We're social animals. You are, yeah. Martin. yeah we, humans, are. We, we are. are. We, we are. We are. We are. Yes. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I know plenty of introverts who don't want to be interactive that much, but they still mm. want to be around people. People. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm probably more of an extrovert. Uh, I like to be around people. I like to have that sense of community. I like to belong to something. I like to be involved. I like the satisfaction of getting things done, but I also like the feeling of doing things as a as a group when we're all pulling in the same direction or mm-hmm. when we're all just, you know, all working together to achieve something. There's something quite satisfying about that. Yes. So take me back to some early days for Andrew. So some so I want to know where like kind of like this connection with community comes from. Is it something that you've just always found naturally within this town or is there something within your youth that has brought you up this way? So I think, do you mind if I take the chain off? Of is, course, is, yeah. Is I can imagine heavy. it's quite heavy. It, 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 Don't get be careful not to get tangled in the wires. No, oh, you you I worked put, that out in advance. I put it on over the uh, over the headphones. Yes. In so yeah. so yeah. Th- thank you for for wearing it. To, no, to no. Show <laughs> the viewers the. <laughs> <laughs> not a problem. Not a problem at all. So I think for me, when I was young, it was the church. Uh, come from a Roman Catholic background, and um, was, my dad was very involved, and he started to become a, a Eucharistic minister and read at church. And I was an altar boy, and started to become at one stage the MC, the Master of Ceremonies, um, so leading all the other altar boys. And um, then I got involved with a, a charity at the time called Youth Two Thousand, that were uh, a Catholic youth charity. And um, I thought I think I found my way there in the in the early days through the church. And then, but I was always involved in clubs at things at school. I was always involved in outside of school, getting involved with some charity work. So yeah, I think it's just who I am. And I think like-minded people find each other. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, right down to when I was a kid, there'd always be someone extra at the dinner table in our family. You know, it, mum was cooking and, you know, mum, mum, dad, my brother David and I, there'd always be at least one extra person. And it might be a relative or it might be a friend of mine or a friend of my brother's or a friend of my parents. Or, you know, you know, we've got a history of, you know, waifs and strays in our family, as my mum would call it. So, um, yeah, I, I think just search that sense of community wherever you can find it that sense of togetherness that mm-hmm. sense of being with people yeah yeah no it really is special if you can if you can find that and and I do think that this having grown up in this town myself I think this is a, a quite a special town town for that I think all new towns are like that mm. I did um I was once the president of the ENTP the European New Towns platform which was a collection of 17 new towns across Europe, um, Western and Eastern Europe, with associate members in North Africa and the Far East. And um, part of the the group was about studying the history of new towns and um, trying not to make the same mistakes over and over again. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that cropped up time and again on the the new towns platform at the meetings we'd have with different, different new towns was that sense of because each new town is just created, it, it, it's not it doesn't grow holistically it's just bang suddenly there's 20,000 people of a similar age you know mm-hmm. Harlow was once known as pram town because everyone was having kids at the same yes, time yeah. in the 80s and 90s we had a lot of very elderly ladies still living in homes that had been their family home for mm-hmm. 50 years and um, it, it, because that sense of community was imported almost it was transplanted here um, to use a word um, mainly from the east end of London that sense of community that they had during the war in the East End of London naturally occurred in Harlow because mm-hmm. it was just the same people moving to a different place. And so I think Harlow's had that really strange position of being a not a normal town in that in that sense. So the demographics aren't normal. 
people have all grown old at the same time and generations have grown up. But I bet it, as you grew up in the town, the same as me, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can play that kind of who do you know game with people when you meet them and you always know someone who knows it's, someone. It's, it's often really spooky how there can be a connect, how, 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 how you meet someone new. Yeah, and but you're connected. You're in connected some way. in. You're you connected. Know. You know three different people that are like completely separate again, and you're like, how do you know? How this? do you know them? How do you know this person? And it and it happens in this town a, a lot. lot. Mm. It does. It does. And I think yeah. that that's aided the sense of community. Now, I have to say, in the last twenty years or so, things have changed, and yes, that's definitely. because of generations dying off mm-hmm. and people moving out and new people moving in, and we're starting to become. A bit more now. I mean, we're what, 75 years old as a town. Mm-hmm. We're starting to become a bit more like a more established town or city elsewhere. And um, part of the, the job that community leaders have got, whether it be politicians or people like yourself in the theatre, mm-hmm. um, is to not let that sense of community diminish just because the demographics have changed again. I yes. think that's really important. I think that's the struggle we'll face. And that's why, for example, in the last couple of years when we've had the influx of Ukrainians because of the, the war that's going on there or when we've had an influx of uh, people from Afghanistan when we after the airlift out of uh, Kabul um, and Harlow decided to take some families, I think it's really important that we integrate those people really quickly respecting their traditions but also making sure they know there is a community here that's open and welcoming mm-hmm. making sure they join everything they can making sure that they get as much out because unless we all put a lot in none of us will get anything decent out yeah and that must be a real challenge as well to embrace the new but also not discourage the old yeah. as well within well, the community pe- people are always scared of new things of course yes and they're always scared of change mm-hmm. and uh you know, yeah, in some And like you said already, this town has changed a hell of a lot in the last 20 years, but yeah. everywhere has, hasn't it? Yeah, the whole country mm-hmm. has. And, you know, problems that we have here, we're not alone with. Um, but very few of those problems are to do with integration or lack of integration. I find um, anyone I talk to in Harlow has really tried their best to integrate. Um, I think in some places they haven't. You know, you, you go to some towns or parts of cities and people are still living in their own communities. You've got a community from that country there and a community from that country there. And that causes division when people don't want to interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had uh, great experiences here with different communities just um, last year, maybe because of being the chair, you know, getting to go to things that I'd never been to before. The the local Hindu community invited me to their Diwali dinner and dance, and it was the most amazing night. It was something Mm. different to anything I'd ever been to. But they were really welcoming. They wanted to bring me in and show me what they were doing and what their faith was about and who they were. And I wanted to find out more about it. And there's been lots of different communities like that that I've had Mm. the chance to meet. Um, There were a few... um, family open days over the summer this summer that was just gone of different groups around the town and it's just really nice and often food is the the key to unlocking that sense of community together you go to some of these community days and try some of the food from mm-hmm. you know their part of india where they've come from for example and um, suddenly that promotes a conversation about what you like what you don't like you know um, food often the heart of community so this brings me on to a really interesting question I've got for you then, because it's something that I've wondered about over the years. How can the creative community groups, like the theatre groups, like the dance groups, like the the the, um, the local choirs and things like that, how can they embrace the new community? How can they bring them in? I think they've got to open the doors for a start and reach out. Mm-hmm. So don't appear as closed off. Um, and, and sadly... And I don't know if it's just in our town, but sadly, some artistic groups, maybe around the country, can be quite closed. We're definitely us. we're very, our own group, very clicky. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And you you join that group, and that means oh well, we don't talk to that group over there. <laughs> you know, we had a row with them thirty years ago, and yes. and we've never spoken since. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just ridiculous. That is just ridiculous. Yeah. So, or if you're part of that dance troupe, then we don't do that because they do a different form of dance to us. And mm-hmm. um, so I think, you know, a bit of self-reflection from each of the groups themselves. Open themselves up. A bit of good advertising. I mean, that's what's wonderful about social media these days. There's a, there's a lot that's bad about social media. But yeah. the fact that you can get a message out and you can say to people, look, here we are. This is what we are. This is where we are. Mm-hmm. Come and join us. You know, gives people that initial interaction that they need. Um, but I think groups just have to be willing to be open. Um, and, you know, there's a lot we can learn. We had, I hosted um, 
I hosted Celebrate Harlow last year at the Playhouse, which was a collection of song and dance and drama from all the different groups around the town. And um, I asked for audition tapes from people, and people, you know, I think we had about 80 different audition tapes. Now, you, you can only get about 20 acts in, so we had to mm-hmm. cut that down. We had to look at all of the acts. Um, but there was a, a very young lady, um, Dukshira, I think she was about seven, um, and she was doing some form of Indian dance that I'd never seen before. And so I said to the artistic director, um, and my PO was helping me pull this together, we've got to have her involved because that's something I've never seen in this town. And I'd love to show that off. I'd love to mm. show that that's something that this part of the community is doing. And we did. And it was incredibly well received. So I think we've got to give opportunities for people to showcase their talents, showcase their skills, showcase that they may be doing things, be it a dance or a piece of drama, in a different way to the norm, mm-hmm. the norm. Um but also those the groups just have to be willing to open up and hear a different voice maybe yeah no i think that's something that's that's very important and even with on this on this podcast that's what i'm looking forward to mm-hmm. next i'm looking forward to how can i bring some new voices into this podcast some new communities onto this excellent onto this platform for their voices and their experiences to be heard and shared yeah. um so that and and within the theatre world as well that i'm part of that's like i say i've often wondered that I've often tried to be like, where where is all the, the new groups? Why aren't they getting involved with this? But Martin, you have, because mm. I remember when you've directed shows here, um, you've made open auditions. Yes. You've put adverts out in the local press to say, come and have a go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually, if you hadn't done that, I wouldn't be sitting here doing this podcast. Okay. Because seven years ago, you had an open call for a Christmas show. Mm-hmm. And my daughter Lexi came and she auditioned and you decided to give her a part and because of that I became a chaperone on that show mm-hmm. and because of that I ended up joining the board of this theatre and getting involved in lots more shows and she's got involved in lots more shows so yeah. so it was through that open call mm-hmm. just an advert in the press saying we'd love to see what talent you've got come and join us be a part of our, our yeah, Christmas sure. show that ended up with actually a whole family being involved mm-hmm. with this theatre and, and a few productions that you've done yeah no, thank you for that moment of reflection, actually, of that moment of actually, I, we, I do try. You've to already do, done it. Yeah, I do try to do that. It. And um, I particularly tried to do that with the last community production that I yeah. did. I tried to put a lot of information out there into the community outside of the normal the groups. Normal the channels. normal theatre channels. The normal people and the normal channels. I would go and try and reach further. And it mm. did bring in a lot of new people, didn't it? The it last, did. The it last did. And, and I think that's, you know, there's got to be always be a blend of, mm-hmm. you know, people that have always been involved and supported and want yes. to be involved. And those new people who want to give it a go. At, at the end of the day, we're not a professional theatre here that we're sat in. No, no. Uh, that you're chairman No, it's of. a community theatre. It's theaters. a community theatre. It's a charity yeah. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And it's part of its stated aims and objectives are to enable people to try theatre. Mm-hmm. And sometimes particularly when you're growing up as well, you've got to, you know, put different coats on. You've got to try different things. Am I a dancer? No. Am I an actor? Oh, I might be. Mm-hmm. Do I like musical theatre? Oh, musical theatre's my thing. I'll go and, you know, work in musical theatre or do it for enjoyment. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, places like this theatre and, you know, different shows up and down the country give people the chance to dip their toe in the water and say, do I like that? You know, I'm not necessarily ever going to be a professional actor, but, mm-hmm. um, you know... Do I like a bit of Amdram? Yeah. Yeah. And so do you like a bit of Amdram? <laughs> Have I seen you on the stage? I'm trying to think back to where I first met you, Andrew, and I'd say it was possibly about 15, 20 years ago. Okay. I was doing a pantomime at the okay. local playhouse. Yeah. And I'm not sure what your role was <laughs> or what your involvement was. was. I, but I, I, but I seem to remember you being around. I the I was playhouse. being around the playhouse. Yeah. So when I was a young man, I I was involved, not at school. I didn't get on with the drama department at school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was drawn to a bit of backstage then, but it was all again very cliquey. Um, my exposure to, if you can call it any form of acting, was um, actually the same as Chinks, uh, a bit of role play gaming and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But yeah, when I started to um, do stuff outside of school and came back to the town from university I, I got involved with with drama then and I did a couple of bits at the playhouse and uh 
Uh, the last thing I did um, was actually a play directed by Rose Ings, um, sadly no longer with us, and um, Jim Thompson was in it, and Danny Gleeson was in it. Both I know you've interviewed for this podcast. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was a crowd at the time that were involved, and so you always were around each other or, or involved. Um, and then I, I moved on to what I call acting for ugly people, which is local politics. Okay. Um, because it really is acting in the chamber. There's a lot of acting there when you give your set piece yes. speeches. And, and I got very busy with politics and became leader of the council. So I, I didn't really have time to be involved in the Playhouse. But I always had that love and I'd, I'd done a few shows there and I was always around with the mm-hmm. group. And hey, after show parties are always very fun, whether you've been in the play or not. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I was always around. And um, yeah, and then your it was your call actually to and Lexi getting involved with the, so it was with your, the show. It was your daughter coming to coming be- back that got me back involved, but wow. I've never got back on the on the boards as it were. No, um, maybe one day. But you, so, but your daughter, your daughter's treading the boards. Yeah, been involved uh, in this. multiple Christmas shows and multiple mm-hmm. other shows. Yes. Um, and she's going to be in Railway Children this year here. Mm-hmm. So, and she was in the last few Christmas shows as well. So, And I end up helping because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I fell in love with this building that we're sat in now, uh, this amazing old Victorian theatre, old Victorian hall. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, so I've ended up helping. Uh, six years ago, I got I got asked um, by Caroline, who I think you've also had on your, your podcast, mm-hmm. to um, could I help with her show, which was Vicar of Dibley, and uh, she desperately needed someone to work the sound. And I said to her, well, Never done sound before in my life, but I'll, I'll have a lash. And, um, yeah, ever since then, people seem to think that I'm okay on sound and have asked <laughs> me to do a number of shows. Um, but normally you'll find me just pitching in anywhere in the theatre, whether it be buying stuff mm-hmm. uh, for shows or running around backstage and helping. I like to be involved like we've established and... Uh, you know, I like to be involved. I like to see shows come together. So it's not necessarily from a, a creative angle or an angle of you you want to be in, interested in the, the music side of things or the light side of the, the theatre. No. It's that it's the being around the people and the community that, that brings you in. I think so. I, I mean, when you first talked to me about being on this podcast, mm-hmm. I, I, I said to you, but I'm not creative. Mm. And then I thought about it and thought the number of shows that I've been involved with, even if it is just in the background. And of course, just like anything, it's that swan analogy, isn't it? Where you see this lovely show, this swan gliding gracefully through the the water. And underneath, there's a lot of pedalling and there's a lot of furious movement going on, whether that's backstage or up in the box or Mm -hmm. around the back. And um, so I thought the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, I do have a bit of creative streak. I like taking photos. I, I you know, I, I like being involved with shows. I, I like helping. But yeah, I think ultimately it's the community. That and I think theatre is so really important to us. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why community theatre especially is is really important. All of the arts, you know, we judge a civilization by its arts. Um, and, and, you know, I'm a historian at heart. I read archaeology at university. And um, often the only thing that survives of any civilization is its arts. Mm-hmm. And you can tell a lot from it. You know, a Roman pot often isn't just a Roman pot. It may have pictures on it of the games and the theater that was going on. And you get to know a bit more of an insight into that community because of what they've left behind. So I think um, the creative arts are incredibly important to our civilization. Um, so just being a little tiny part of that, a little cogging the wheel, mm-hmm. sort of makes me happy. Um, and that's really, really nice to hear from a, a conservative. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd go there. If, if you don't mind getting into politics a little bit. Well, I've taken we, the chain off. You've so taken the chain off. Because uh, so, we've had some people on here, you know, bashing current politics. And I myself sometimes am a, a little bit upset with the with mm. the way things that are going on the political landscape when it comes to the arts. Um, I do feel like it's a, an area that's not, cared for enough in in politics of its current state especially within education um you see it pulled back more and more every year is what it feels like Mm. um so it's nice to hear someone within local politics and and a conservative say actually this is what i think Mm. well i think a few things there wow um Firstly, I'm a local politician. I'm not of a course, national politician. Of course, yes. so, um, but your voice is still important within local politics. Yeah, and I think people of all sides of the chamber have known that I'm 
I've always been a big supporter of the arts and um I think like I say I think that's important um I I don't see it down party lines I know plenty of people on the left of politics that really couldn't give two hoots about a play or a piece of artwork or a photo or mm -hmm. or anything like that just as I do as there's people on the right of politics I think there's a lot of people that just aren't into the arts sadly um nationally I think my party the conservatives get a bad rap on things like the arts because we're always talking about cash because we're always trying to balance the economy and we're always trying to you know make sure things work um and we're much more into individual choice uh and we're into businesses so you know we want to see artists that are saleable that you know make a good go of themselves are economically viable and feed into a uh, a real productive society um that being said, I think there's always a place for government or local government funding for the arts. Um, because if you don't have them, if they're not economically viable and they disappear, well, where are we left? I already said we judge a civilization by its art. So I think any politician on the right who just ignores the arts is, is silly. Um, you know, and, but there are a lot of MPs who are very supportive of theatre and very mm. supportive of the arts, not just theatre, the, the arts as a whole. Uh, it's why I was so pleased over COVID that there was quite a bit of cash. And yeah, you had to look and you had to you had to make some applications, but there was quite a lot of cash for the creative arts as a whole. May not have been got 100% right, maybe not everyone got the money that they should have got, but I know certainly I was able to wade through the red tape and we got quite a bit of money for this theatre, which did. kept this theatre going. And, uh, you know, there were other organisations, museums and galleries and other theatres that, you know, managed to make a go of it. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, maybe maybe my party needs to do more to combat that and to say, look, we are champions of the arts and we do have champions of the arts within our ranks. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe we're not just very good at shouting about it, but it's something I've shouted about quite a you lot. You definitely do. Um, and, go, and going back to the, 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 the COVID thing, as well mm -hmm. uh, at the time being connected with the council you was able to to help point in the right direction community groups yeah to make yeah. sure they got the funding a number of you, them to make sure they got the funding yeah. and um uh, at the time there was um the council started off not being as as fast as it wanted to be mm -hmm. um but you know we got well, there. to be fair no one was ever prepared for that situation no one was no one was prepared for covid at all mm -hmm. um but but we got there and um, there was a lot of funding that was available and a lot of funding was distributed. So, you know, it made sure that some community groups kept their head above water. I think that was important. Mm -hmm. So what does, the, what does the future look like to you when it comes to politics and the arts? God, that's a deep question. We could spend hours just on that alone, Martin. Um, for me personally or For you or personally. For me personally. Um, I honestly don't know with politics. Um, like I say, I've been involved in local politics for 26 going on 27 years, all of my 20s, all of my 30s, most of my 40s. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm approaching, fast approaching 50, and I've spent most of my time in the council chamber. Maybe I need some time off. I say that, but I'm political. I'm a political animal, so I can't see a time that I'm going to step away completely. Um, I've done most roles at a district council level. As I say, I've been leader of the council, I've been leader of the opposition, and now I've been chair of the council twice. Um, maybe it's time for me to explore where else. I certainly won't be applying for national politics. I, I don't want to be an MP. Mm -hmm. As a young man, I wanted to be an MP. I thought that was the, the be all. Um, I think the more I've spent time in politics, the more I see that to be an MP that gets things done, you have to be very lucky. You have to be in the right place at the right time. You have to be in the right party at the right time. You then have to get the right promotions at the right time. And, you know, if you're a minister, you can get stuff done. If you're just a backbench MP, you sometimes have more power as a local councillor um, to, to affect the lives of your constituents. So I don't think I'll ever want to go to politi politics nationally. Plus, I see, I, I know chaps who are... Um, looking for seats at the moment, want to be MPs. Good luck to them, they'll make very good MPs. But they get a call at five o'clock on a Friday night to be told, tomorrow morning we want you in Wakefield because there's a by-election. And they get in the car or they get on the train and they go. And I'd be more likely to say, sorry, I'm spending tomorrow with my wife and daughter, we're going to see a film or a mm -hmm. play, or um, or we've got you know dinner booked with friends. 
And these days I like that more than I would the political advancement. So I'll take the dinner with friends over um, a wet by-election yeah. stuffing <laughs> leaflets through doors. Yes. But they expect the MP, potential MP foot soldiers to do that. So I don't think mm-hmm. I'll do that. But um, there are other options I'm looking at. But I think I'll always do something involved with politics. I don't think I'll ever retire completely. Um, but I feel satisfied that I've done a really good job um, as a district councillor uh, mm-hmm. over the last 26 years. And um, I've enjoyed my time. I've enjoyed my time. As to the arts, well, I don't see a time where I'll ever not be involved in the arts again either. I, I, I had some time away and um, I've loved being back and I love being involved. So I'm helping on a show at the moment right here, uh, running sound for that. Uh, wife and daughter are helping backstage as well. So, um, you know, we're involved as a family and um, I think we'll probably carry on doing that. When my daughter next year, hopefully, God willing, heads off to university, um, you know, she'll move on from that, move on from her local theatre. Is she um, continue to pursue uh, the, the arts in any way? Yeah, I think, she... I, think, I think she will. In fact, mm-hmm. we were looking at uh, one university. She's looking at med school and uh, so obviously really um, academically focused. Um, but we were looking at one and uh, she was asking what drama... Uh, groups they had and the university said oh, well we've got a drama you know various drama groups but we've actually got one specifically for medics just medics join but it's musical theatre and I laughed because the Venn diagram of, of I love musical theatre and I want to do medicine must yes. be really tiny <laughs> but there's a niche there for it and that fits her perfectly wow. so um, yeah hopefully she'll still carry on and she dances mm-hmm. just like her mum um, so she dances she does drama she sings yeah. a bit I often hear her singing upstairs in her bedroom, and, and that's lovely. Um, for me, I'm none of those things. I, I've, I've spoken to you before, I think, about I've got a little itch to direct, maybe. Yes, yes, you have, um, yeah. Both a serious play and a funny play. So um, I've, I've got a couple of scripts at home that I keep getting out and thinking, oh, but it's finding the time to do that. It's finding mm-hmm. the support. You, 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 I can't just say I want to direct my first show and just do it. I'd need a huge team around me, you know, a team of proper creatives, mm-hmm. you know, someone to do lighting someone to do sound someone to do costume well they're all things a, di- a director would need anyway but your first time in you it's good to have a bit of mentorship say, let's say yeah. a bit of someone someone looking over you someone checking that you're doing the yeah, doing so things th- in so the I right way if, if i if i backed away from the politics a little bit or did mm-hmm. something different that might give me the time and space that i want to explore that creative outlet mm-hmm. um, in the meantime for my personal creativity i Love taking photos. It's not something I shout and scream about or throw around. Uh, I've got a separate Instagram account just for that. And, um, yeah, I, I, I like that. That's a creative outlet for me, and I'll keep mm-hmm. doing that. Um, I used to scribble a bit of poetry, and I probably, you know, a bit of creative writing. Um, so those things are always there. You know, I go on holiday, take the laptop with me, and I, I sit one afternoon, and I, I write the first chapter. I'm very good at writing first chapters of books. Yes, yeah. Um, not very good at writing chapter two, three, four. Um, so well, that's where it becomes painful, having having writing experience myself. It's that, that first bit is enjoyable, where you get that idea out of there onto the paper. But yeah. then giving it legs to move forward, that's when it becomes starts yeah, to become a chore. Yeah, and it gets a bit chore. serious. And in, instead of just mm-hmm. a mind dump, it's about, oh, I've now got to plot what happens with these characters. And uh, and again, it's a time thing. Yes, um, yeah. But I think I'll always... The, the arts has a really special place in my heart, and I'll always be watching shows. Mm-hmm. I come down here and volunteer at the bar and the tea bar and you know get to watch a show and buy tickets for all of the local things that go on. Um I think I'll always do that. Why um, would you say that's important for you to to keep a hold of that in your life? I find it relaxing. I find it interesting. Um, like I say, I think you judge judge a community, judge a civilization by its arts, and um, yeah, I, I think it's important to do things. I really <laughs> do. I think get out and do, get out and see a show. Get out and go and watch a musical. Get out and watch a film. Go to a gallery. You know, instead of just saying, oh, yeah. You know, actually, there's some a new retrospective on at this place. And, you know, we'll be seeing photos of that. Go and do it. Go and see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, learn what you like and what you don't like. And learn what you like and what you don't like by looking at things and saying, oh, actually, that was really interesting to me. I never thought I might like the X. Um it's like, you know, people who say, I don't like peas. Well, when was the last time you ate peas? Well, when I was seven. 
like 30 odd years ago well try them again mm-hmm. try different types of them you know keep trying things until you know what you like that's and you don't very like. that's very that's, that sounds <coughs> exactly how i tell people to go and watch shakespeare yeah when people say to me oh i hate shakespeare oh we did it they were made to do it at school and uh, maybe i went once when i was in like my late teens early 20s it's just awful i was like Yes, when you were a teenager, mm. it was awful. And maybe you saw that one really bad version mm-hmm. with those really awful amateur dramatics people. Mm. But but go back now, go and seek out something Yeah, and, seek and, and out maybe something different seek out a modern interpretation mm-hmm. of Shakespeare as well, because maybe it was the language yeah. that was putting you off and you didn't understand the way he wrote it. There is a reason why it's being redone and retold so many times. Classic stories mm-hmm. that really reach into people's hearts and guts and grab hold of them. Um yeah, and you know, you, you watch the Scottish play, and it, it really is something to behold. You know, you want a love story, and you know, Romeo and Juliet is is one of the best ones out there. I mean, it's tragic, mm. but it's one of the best ones out there, and people keep retelling it with different versions as well. Yeah, do you know what's really weird at the moment? I keep so I've, I'm thinking about what I'm going to direct next. All right, and the Scottish play keeps appearing i don't know if it's like that thing in your mind where you you talk about oh aren't there a lot of gray cars on the road at the moment or a lot of toyotas and all of a sudden you see even more toyotas and gray cars and it's like your mind is drawn to that but the scottish play keeps appearing Mm. it started in this podcast when i sat down with um phil dale who's a local director and uh theater manager and he brought it up but since then, it keeps it cropping keeps up. Does cropping it cropping up in in different conversations? Even sometimes when it shouldn't crop up, really? it keeps cropping up on TV uh, uh, as a, as a something t- saying to you, speaking to you deep in your soul. Yes, it really. Do it you really think there's is. a market for it in local community theatre? Oh, hundred percent. There's a market for for Shakespeare plays in local community theatre, and for that moment, both 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 within getting a cast together. Because um, Shakespeare is is great for bringing actors together, but also for an audience. People people know if they don't know the play, they know the names. Of course they do. You know that one particularly. Um, you know we keep throwing it to the Scottish. Well, play, obviously because we're sat because we're sat in a theatre and, and it's it's bad <coughs> luck to to mention it. However, I don't think it's bad luck if um, if you're on a podcast. Well, or if you were to <laughs> that, say, you know. Lady Macbeth's hand-wringing scene <laughs> is, you know, we go, haven't named yeah. him, we've named her. There we go. Um, uh, and, hey, you know, she carries the show, doesn't she? Mm, uh, yes. You need a really strong, talk about strong female leads. Yes. You need a really strong female strong lead female for that. Lead to play that. But it's funny because you've said that now and you've said about directing it and mm-hmm. obviously that would be here, wouldn't it? More than likely, And, and yeah. so I'm mentally running through now. Who could potentially... Names of who could play each of the different mm. characters. And actually, it's a really interesting exercise when you do that. So think about the two plays that I'd, I'd like to direct. So from a, from a serious point of view... Um, no, let's talk, let's, talk, let's talk less serious point of view. So from a less <laughs> serious point of view, hello, hello. Now, I know yes. it's been done in the town before, mm-hmm. um, but actually, I, I used to love that humour. I used to love that show on TV when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, there's something funny about it. There's something funny about slapstick type, uh, really disgusting humour um, mm-hmm. that I think gets an audience laughing. And, you know, any play that ends up with every single, you know, member of the cast on stage dressed as Hitler, um, it's got to be funny, hasn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah. When we look back on things now. <laughs> Particularly and it, again, there, there will be an audience for it. Yeah. Because there is a generation that, that knows and loves that that program yeah. that would love to revisit that as a as a play as a play because it has a, a certain place in there in, in the same way that, in the same way that 40 towers does with people in the you know in the same way that vicar of dibley which has been done here twice in the last seven years mm-hmm. um has it's got a real fan base um and so that's a crowd pleaser it's a bums on seats it's a and it could be quite funny and you think from a comedic point of view the the actors and actresses that we've got in this town uh, and around you could really make a go of that. So that's that. And then from a serious point of view, I'd love to do a version of The Ideal Husband. Oscar Wilde. Um, and I first came to that through film, actually, not through um, the play. I saw the um, the version that was done, um, Mini Driver in it, and um, Rupert Everett. And uh, I loved the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I read the play, and then I went to see the play. Very different. Obviously, one's done for a film and one's uh, one's the original. And actually, there's a there's probably a way to climb between those two and and 
and do something. So I keep playing with that in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. And again, I I think about that and I think about oh, who could play that character? <laughs> and, mm. and you watch it's funny you watch actors and you may have known someone and, and seen them act in half a dozen shows, yes. and then you see them do something else mm-hmm. that makes you think, oh, it's a different side of them I've not seen. I've, I've seen that this week actually, and, and that's show. why it's a good idea to be open. Because yeah. I, I do think that um, being an actor, you should be you should be open to be able to play different different roles. But also, the the director should also be open to see what else someone can bring. Absolutely, someone can try bring. it a different way. Mm. Try it a different way. And and you know, sadly, obviously in uh, Amdram, you've got people who are very typecast. They only want to play the same cast. They only mm. want to say the some same people role. can only do that well, as well. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's great. Find a place for them. Mm-hmm. But. It's nice to, rather than just assume that, nice to experiment a bit and try things a bit differently. And I, I think, you know, when, you, when you're willing to experiment, you start to get completely different shows. So particularly theatre-wise, you know, in this theatre over the last three years, there's been a real experimentation with puppets that's worked really well. Now, mm-hmm. it can be bad, but it's worked really well here. Um, and I'd like to see more of that in shows as we go forward in this town i'd love to see people experimenting with you know different stagings uh ways of moving set around that maybe are not normal mm-hmm. um although the west end's pretty good at leading on that um and every time i go and see a show in the west end i go oh that's interesting we should try that here mm-hmm. um but yeah i think being open you're right absolutely actors directors Everyone should be a bit more open about what could be done. And yes. we might end up with a wider variety of shows. Mm-hmm. And that can only appeal to wider audiences. Something that I, so I, what I would recommend to you moving forward, because I know that you've had this, this niggling away at you for, for a while. Yeah. I think you need to find a third production. Yeah. You need Neither to, of those to start with. You need a, you need a, uh, having not had any directing experience to start with, I think you need to find a one act. Yeah. One acts are a beautiful starting place because they're smaller and more contained. Yeah. Often they're contained to, to one environment as well. Yeah. One set, um, one scene. One set, one scene. Um, and you can work on a small piece. And generally one act's. Smaller casts as well. Smaller uh, casts, yeah. So less actors to work with. Yeah, a less, lot less le- te- less technical changes, less sound, less lighting, yeah. less less creative balls to juggle, mm. so that you can find out and discover what the technical balls are. Yeah, yeah, because you've got two sides to the to the production. You've got the the technical side and you've got the creative mm. side. So getting that technical side down on a one act and the creative in a, in an easier creative environment like a one act play will help you to have the confidence to move forward mm. into your hello hello or well if it if it ever happens it might yeah. it might well, never that's happen it, and this, you know uh, this this is how i'm saying to you the way to make that happen to yeah. make that leap to the to the big production would be to find something smaller to start with. Is that how you started? It is how i started and mm. it's um the local amateur dramatics group Harlow Theatre Company mm-hmm. They're currently doing that at the moment. They've well, got they a, are with their, um, their got, fringe festival mm, that they're about to do. They've got a fringe festival of one act play, four one act plays. Yeah. I believe all new directors and some new writers in there as well, and some new actors. But it's a great starting platform for them yeah. to go on and do something, do something else. And yes, I'm, I'm, it, I'm watching that, so I, I'll, mm. you know, I'll evaluate what that what that looks like yes. because I think it might be it might be a good idea. Do you know? I might try it and go. This isn't for me, and I think that's that. That's really important with life, Martin. Is mm-hmm. like I was saying earlier, try things. Yeah, you know, try that coat on for size. Does it fit me? You know, I I say I want to direct, but but you might do it and go. But I'd say you're more likely to do it and enjoy it with a small production yeah. than if you dive straight in at the deep in, end. In the deep end. But I might try a small mm. production and go, do you know what? This isn't for me. I'll go mm. back to being behind the scenes and yes. you know, back to helping where I can on sound in the box or. You know, even just facilitating the building to make sure mm-hmm. that, because I think the fact that we've we're so lucky in this town in a place in a way that other people in other towns aren't lucky because we've got this theatre. It's not huge, but it's big enough to put on decent productions, and it's open. People can pitch up. A community theatre group can pitch up and say, "I want to put a play on," mm-hmm. and as long as they can hire the building, you know, 
and we try and keep the rates as low as possible. Yeah. And, but as long as they can hire the building, they get into what is a really amazing theatrical space. Mm-hmm. You know, they get to use proper lights and proper sound equipment and proper staging. And, you know, some people, the, the chance to just try that on and feel, is this for me? That's yeah. pretty amazing. And hopefully we've done that a bit with the, the group Sparrow and Luna. Yep. Haven't we? Yeah. We've been able yeah. to, to offer them a space to, to, to do their well, thing they, and they, explore. they started, I mean, I, I loved Luna's. That was the first podcast of yours that I listened to when mm-hmm. I was on holiday. And um, that's why we started talking about your podcasts. And um, yeah, Luna, you know, she arrived as a, a as a young lady that just wanted to be involved. And very soon it was, we want to put a show on. And I remember people being a bit like, oh, wow, you know, they're early 20s. Do they know what they're doing? They're putting mm-hmm. on a show. But you know what? They've embraced it and they've moved on to second show and now being involved in other shows and they've got their own production company. And oh my God, how great to see young people in our town and around saying, we want to have a go. And not only we want to have a go, but we've made a success of it. Let's do it again and again and get deeper and get wider and get more cast involved. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's super. And that's what this building exists for. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why why I'm behind it as well. I don't yeah. just I don't just sit here for the plays and productions that I want to do. I no. want to. I, it was always a dream, a vision of mine that someone like Luna and Sparrow and and the rest of their production company would come along and have that opportunity. Yeah, and not just the existing big companies that use us mm-hmm. and are great to have in yes. and are great to refresh themselves every now and again and get a new bunch of directors and a new bunch of actors through. But to, to allow it to be a training ground, you know, mm-hmm. the, the old training wheels on the bike, yes. you know, to give you a safe space, a, a really encouraging environment where you know you're going to get warm and friendly audiences, where you know there's a group of people around the building at any one time that have been through it and mm-hmm. know how it operates and, you know, have seen that problem before or, you know, you want a bit of advice and guidance. There's plenty of people around connected with this theatre that, is, you yeah. know, they're able to go to. And, and what you're talking about is building a theatre community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, it would be lovely if that was replicated in every town in the country. Um, it's not. and I don't think it ever will be. But uh, I think those of us that have got it are very, very lucky. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier on in this this conversation you know community is something i want to be part of i want to join that's why i'm really keen to be part of that and and see that flourish so how do we keep flourishing the the community and the arts within within this town how do we how do we keep this keep this vibrant and strong mm. well just just like how, how do we open ourselves up to to new immigrants to the town it's about being open it's about not being cliquey. We've talked about that already. Some theatre groups, some dance groups, some drama groups are really cliquey. We need to break that. And it's got to be X always directs and Y always does sound. That's no good because then it leaves no space for people to be promoted into to try. Mm-hmm. You know, oh God, I can't want to do sound because I'm going to step on his toes or whatever. We can't have that. It's got to be open for people to try and to learn, you know, and maybe it's a, well, come and do one night under my supervision and then next show do the whole show. And, you know, I I think we've got to be as opening as possible um, to not be afraid to try new things, to not be afraid to let new groups come in. I mean, to be fair, the the trustees that run this building, you know, took a chance on Sparrow and Luna Mm -hmm. um, because they were unknown quantities at the start. And the reputation of the whole theatre and every other company that acts here could have been poorly affected. It wasn't. It was positively affected because Mm -hmm. they've brought a huge amount to the local theatre scene. Um, And we shouldn't be afraid to try that. We shouldn't be afraid to say to people, have a go. Um, And partly for them to learn whether they like it, but partly to see whether, wow, there's a great new actress over there who is now going on to star in lots of other different shows, Christmas Mm -hmm. shows that you've directed. Yes, Um, yeah. Yeah, so wonderful, Andrew. Well, I really appreciate you joining me on the podcast today. Thank you very much. Thank you very I really much. appreciate the invite. It's been um, much it's more been, fun than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, good. Yeah, lovely. No, it is. It's lovely to sit down and have a conversation it is. and and have a chat about the things that, that are a big part of our life: community and the arts, and and this town as well. Yeah, it's nice to talk about this town. But on that note, going back to you as as the chair, the first citizen. Yeah. A citizen? Did I say that? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Going back to you as chair, um, have you got any parting words of wisdom to leave the podcast on? Of a message you'd like to leave this town for your hopes for the future? Mm. I think be kind to each other. 
take every day as the best day use it to its full because you never know what tomorrow brings as we said earlier you never know whether your health's going to disappear or, or anything's going to happen so enjoy yourself use every day use it to the maximum get involved don't be afraid to try on those different coats to join the hundreds of different groups we've got in our town that people have got up and down every town don't be afraid to go and try something just to say I don't like that that wasn't for me it's like Edison once said about you know I found another way not to build a light bulb it's uh, go and try go and do um, throw yourself into things and you'll find things that you love um, and enjoy yourself wonderful thanks again Andrew thanks Mark. thanks for joining me <laughs> lovely we'll wrap that up thanks again thanks for listening bye bye wonderful thank you thank you that was the BTS Creative Academy podcast, Uncut. I appreciate you joining us for this conversation. If you'd like to find out more about the BTS Creative Academy, just search BTS Creative Academy. And so you don't miss any future conversations or exciting updates, don't forget to like and subscribe.